We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Uh, if you haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I am one of the pastors here uh, on staff, and it's so good to be with you on today. Uh, I want to stay in that same vein of celebration and honor as it relates to Mother's Day, um, especially, of course, those of you who are in the room, also those who are watching online. Uh, in particular, I am for sure, I am for sure that my mom is watching online right now. And so I just want to say, Mom, thank you. I celebrate you. I honor you. I appreciate you. And I am who I am today because of you. And I just love you. So thank you so much for all of who you are in my life. Um, and to share with you all, I have a picture of my mom and me and my brother. Yeah, there we are, those two big head boys. The 90s, I mean, tell you, man, wow, we're on a Baptist pew right there. And stripes, green is, okay. Uh, but that's my mom. We're hanging out uh, in church on that particular picture. And yes, she birthed those two big head boys, one eight pounds and one seven pounds. Crazy. Um, so yeah, celebration to my mom. A uh, few things that I wanted to get out the way as well. Um, I know many of you are like, Maurice, that's cool. Your mom is cool, but baby pictures, baby pictures. <laughs> I'm sure, I know, I know, I know. Um, if you don't know, if you're new here or you're new this year, my wife and I, um, Aisha, um, we uh, had a baby on April 25th, eight pounds, 10 ounces, a bundle of joy and a gift to us. Um, by the name of O'Shea Cox. And here is a couple pictures of O'Shea on the screen. Yes, yeah, my baby boy. I got a twin, y'all. I got another twin. I got a triplet. We got a, some more pictures on there. Yeah, all in the hospital. Whoever knows how to swaddle, I mean, I can take lessons because I his arm keeps coming out. You can take go to the next one. And then this one right here in particular, I just, if there is anybody, I've never had this thought cross my mind. Um, if there is anybody who is selling sleep, like I would pay a premium price. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Thoughts that cross my mind, I'm thinking about like, if we can land on the moon and have self-driving cars, of course somebody has found a way to package sleep together and sell that. So I am in need of that, okay? So just, I'm chasing sleep these days. Um, but God has been awesome. And I also wanna just say in that same lane, um, all of you have been awesome to us, um, to go through a journey together as a community. Um, and in a journey not knowing what was on the other side, um, you all are with us no matter what. And through prayer, um, and some of you, there's a meal train document floating around out there, a sign up. Uh, you guys have been a blessing to Aisha and I, and uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, I also want to tell Aisha, who I know is watching, she's in recovery mode right now, and she is at home, but I know you're at, at home on our couch with our baby boy, and I just want to say I love you, and happy first Mother's Day to you, my beautiful wife. Yes. 
Amen, amen. Well, listen, there's some things that we got to do and get started on, and I'm excited about what we're going to be jumping into. I would be remiss, though, for all the work that I do here at Ascent not to also make mention uh, that this month is AAPI month, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Uh, It is uh, uh, something that is uh, widely recognized and our nation has uh, celebrated for decades. Um, And I just want to just take a moment to acknowledge that uh, because it is special. And as although it's uh, on the calendar for our nation and all the different uh, holidays, uh, we see Heritage Month as just an opportunity as a faith community uh, to celebrate uh, God's image, to celebrate the voices and experience of those around us. Uh, we firmly believe being a good neighbor, being for the good of those around us, uh, means getting to know those that are around us. And I believe that when we get to know more and more people within the wide veracity, the wide, uh, the, the wide capacity um, of ethnicity and diversity and culture, uh, we get to know more about God because God is just that big. So I just want to celebrate that and acknowledge that uh, within our racial reconciliation group, all the things that we're doing uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be having a actually book club and actually a round table, just talking around topics of how we become the, a good neighbor for our city and what God has called us to. All right. So we acknowledge AAPI month and I'm excited about that. Um, listen, we are starting a brand new series. And whenever you start a brand new series, there's a lot of groundwork that has to happen. And there's so much thoughts that are going through my mind of like, how do I set this up? We're in a brand new series and we're actually going to be walking through the book of Ephesians. And you'll recognize that in some of our rhythm here at Ascent, sometimes we choose a particular topic. And sometimes that topic is our last one was forgiveness, right? We choose forgiveness. We walk through forgiveness. What is scripture guiding us through when it comes to forgiveness? And then sometimes we'll walk through a book. And we'll look at a book and what does uh, this book have to say to us? In particular, today we're going to be walking through Ephesians. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be finding out uh, what is the writer of Ephesians, the author of Ephesians, getting at with this particular epistle, this particular letter. And what is the hope for that? Like what is the, the, the writer's name is Paul. What is the hope of Paul as we are leaning into this book of Ephesians? And it is my task to go through chapters one and two. So there's going to be a little bit of preaching, but there's going to be a lot of teaching as well. Um, But here's our hope. Here's our hope um, that we would not become too desensitized to Scripture. That when we hear Scripture read on today, uh, the work of us in the 21st century is how would these words land for a first century non-Jewish person? That's who Paul is writing to. What would these words mean to that person? How would they land for that person? And then we do the $2 theological word, the homiletical work, the jump from first century to 21st century. And what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? And all through Ephesians, you are going to see God pulling us towards an identity and a position in him. Here's my simple prayer. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, and that's going to be my prayer, and I'm going to say amen, and then we're going to jump into chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says these words right here, I keep asking that God, of, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. God, would you, by your spirit, do the work of showing us, of, of revealing to us what your message is in this 21st century day so that we can live in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
There's a word in Ephesians chapter one, and this word is apocalypsis. And it's really interesting because this is the word that we, where we get apocalypse. Now, let me slow down just for a moment because uh, where we get the word apocalypse and what we've turned it into is not what Paul is saying here, in a, what he means by apocalypsis. Uh, for some of us, apocalypse, we are thinking about end times. We're thinking about uh, the end of the world, and we use and we throw around this word apocalypse. Um, if you're really, really churchy, and you grow up with like a really, really churchy background, um, then you are probably thinking about the Left Behind series. Trauma. Um, <laughs> And if you're like really churchy and like you grew up in church and like you were like a kid during that Left Behind series and then like you would play like really like traumatic, devious games on your friends. And so one day I remember like we were like churchy, like church kids and like we decided to set the house up as if my friend got left behind. And so if you're not, if you don't have any church context, you don't know like what this is and what I'm even talking about. But like, we like left out like clothes. It was just like, there's the shorts, the socks, but the shirt, like a person just like had left, the refrigerator was left open. He's sleep. And when he gets up, I mean, when you grew up in church though, like you, it hits you pretty different. I mean, he had tears in his eye. He thought he was left behind. He thought the apocalypse had happened. Some of you are really church background. You know what I'm talking about here. That left behind series really wrecked Christianity. But that's not for this morning. Apocalypsis, when Paul says it, is not this end times, end of the world scenario. This word in the Greek actually means a revealing. It means a unveiling. It speaks to this part of a, a illuminating. And all throughout Ephesians, Paul is praying that we would have an apocalypsis, that God would reveal to us what is happening. And in particular, in our time together, I got all these moments. And God has kind of gripped in my heart because I can sit in Ephesians for the next six months. We, we could do a, a whole year of just Ephesians. But in particular for today, I believe what God is calling us to um, really lean in and get a revelation around is our position in him. Over and over and over again, not only in chapter one, not in only in chapter two, but all through Ephesians, you are going to see in Christ, in Christ, in him. This word, these two words that you are going to see speaks about a particular location, a spiritual location. It speaks to this idea of our, pla our place in him. And it begs the question, what does it mean to be in Christ? And then how does my life, how's my life impacted my, by me being in Christ? I'm well aware that this morning I'm really going after Christians this morning. I'm really not going after like in a negative way, but like I'm really pressing us, those who are followers of Jesus, because Paul is writing to those who are already following Jesus, but he sees this moment as a moment to remind them, don't forget who you are in Christ because it matters and repetition matters. I wanna read the first pass, the first uh, 13 verses, 14 verses, and I want you to see Paul's emphasis of repetition. And why would he do that? Why would he overemphasize in Christ and in him? Let us read God's word. It says these words, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God. To God's holy people in Ephesus, which is a city, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from our Lord, from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be a holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be the, for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I know that's a big chunk of scripture there. And I know some of you may have even took a moment to tune out and tune back in. It is our hope in this series for the next couple of weeks that you walk through Ephesians with us. And I hope you know also that Sunday is a supplement to your faith. The local church was designed to be a supplement to your faith. And that if you just lean on Sundays as just the day for your spiritual development, by experience, that's a recipe for disaster. Paul is pressing us into a place of understanding what it means to be in Christ. Now, you got to know he's talking to people who are followers of Christ. Why is it important to remind people who already have a relationship with God of their place in God. Because I think that all of us can attest that sometimes we have a spiritual drift that we sometimes forget, that we sometimes find ourselves in other things. This morning, where are you located? Where's your soul located? I wrote down a few thoughts because I think some of us, if we're honest, we find ourselves in moments of guilt. We find ourselves in shame. We find ourselves in lust, in addictions. We look at our world and we find ourselves in all sorts of things. But this morning, when Paul says you are in Christ, I need to encourage you that your place in him supersedes wherever you may be located elsewhere. Like, I hope you grasp what I'm trying to get at, that when God, when Paul is writing to the church that we are in Christ, there's a location that we all occupy. But it's not just here, right? It's not just in Ephesians that Paul is writing and telling us where we are. 
We see in Romans chapter 8, it says these words. I'll read it just briefly. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians for, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. These are the same, this is the same author. This is the same person who's writing these letters and he continually writes who we are in Jesus. <coughs> Let me make it very clean, make it very clear that God's plan is for us to comprehend and respond to our place in him. God's plan for our lives. A lot of times we are really racking our heads and trying to figure out what is God's plan for our lives. Can I let you know that Ephesians shows us that God's plan is that we would not only comprehend but respond to our place in him. It's really interesting as I was jumping in and doing an overview and observation of this particular passage, what is profound about the letter in Ephesians is that in very, we see in chapter one, verse one, that there is a place that we as people who follow after Jesus have two locations. That we have two locations. I wanna read Ephesians chapter one, verse one. I'll just read it in your hearing. It says these words right here. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus and in Christ Jesus. It's really interesting that Paul is going to write this letter and when he writes this letter, he shows us that you are in Ephesus and in Christ. I was, uh, remember all through the pandemic, I was thinking about this, um, or I was thinking about this passage and I was thinking about, you know, in the pandemic when all the craziness was happening and all different things and certain people were just like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna get out of here and all these different things, I'm gonna go to a different place. And I remember just some of the crazy rhetoric and then I remember talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna go to this place. And I'm like, they're on lockdown. How are you going to go to that place right now? And they're like, well, I have this sort of dual citizenship where I can actually have some conversation of being able to actually have a possibility of getting there. I don't know much about passports. I don't know much about travel and all those different things. But when we talk about a dual citizenship, it's this idea that I not only belong here, but I belong here. Paul is writing from the very beginning in chapter one to the people in Ephesus and in Christ. Do we recognize, do we really see what it means to be in Christ? that our identity is in Christ, that our forgiveness is found in Christ, that the love of God is found in Christ. And I can see why there's such an overemphasis to keep pressing people to remind them, don't forget who you are in Christ. Not only are we forgiven in Christ, not only is our identity in Christ, but I need to encourage you that we are chosen by God in Christ. I was watching this particular show called The Voice and on The Voice, uh, there's the judges, and their back is turned to the particular people who are about to sing, right? And it's a singing competition, and they're waiting, um, and there's, the judges are celebrities, and there are people who are well-known in uh, music, and they know all the different things, all the skill set. And so their backs are turned, and the person begins to sing, and as the person sings, the judges are listening. They can't see them, but they're listening for this person to hit all of the right notes, to hit all of the right things. And when that song gets to that point and they're really belting it out, one person tries to rush and hit a particular button. 
And when they hit that button, the chair turns around and now they're facing one another. And emphatically, the person says something in estimation of, I choose you. I want you on my team. Paul sets us up in this letter in Ephesians in chapter 1, grounding us in our place in Christ and that we are chosen in Christ. Why does this matter? Because if I were to put a particular world stage and Jesus' back is turned and we're about to argue all of the points of why we are deserving of his love and why we are so good and why we deserve to be in his grace, why we deserve to have a place in his kingdom, before we can say a particular word, before we can utter any particular phrase, Jesus hits the button, turns around and says, I choose you. Not because of anything that you've done because of what Christ has done on the cross. And all throughout Ephesians, it's very interesting that we see that it's important that we ground ourselves in our identity in Christ first. Because through the movement of Ephesians, it's very interesting that by the first chapter, second chapter, third chapter, Paul kind of talks in a sort of out there particular language, seated in heavenly places and in Christ and sort of like out there language. And then by chapter four, by chapter five, he says, listen, if you commit adultery, stop committing adultery. If you're a liar, stop lying. Like it gets really practical by the end of the book. He starts getting really practical. Hey, if you're a person who, who, who struggles with this, hey, I need you to attack this particular sin in your life. And he gets really practical. If you're a liar, stop lying. Why am I bringing this up for us on today? Because I have seen within pockets of Christianity, and I don't know what your background is, and I don't know what particular pocket of faith background you come from. But the placement of those things matter. And sometimes we confuse the two. We have moral behavior and we have who we are in Christ. And there are whole denominations who put emphasis on moral behavior and your thoughts and purity and all of these things, and we get off track. Can I let you know that it is the way Paul moves throughout this letter of Ephesians shows us that it doesn't matter about your behavior if we don't know who we are in Christ. Like if we don't know that who we are in him, if we don't have that first, then we're going to be a people that are moving in the direction of moral behavior. And a moral behavior, a set of rules and boundaries without relationship is just legalism. A set of rules and boundaries without any sort of intimacy with God is just a set of rules. It's to become a Pharisee. And Jesus says, wait, 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 if you don't know who you are in me, if you don't know that sin has no power, then you will get caught up thinking to yourself that you have, that you're bound by sin. That you recognize that in Christ that we are redeemed, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that, that we have the grace of God. If we don't know that first, then the way in which we live is going to be set up for a disaster. This morning, this book of Ephesians that we're leaning into, my hope is that we comprehend and respond, that we get an apocalypsis moment of what it means to be found in him. And this morning, some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, Maurice, listen, I, I'm not in him. And I can I let you know that you are right where you need to be. 
Maybe you're a person who, you're a skeptic. Maybe you're a person who, you're just a student. Maybe you're a person who you're just visiting family for the, you're just in town or you're just stopping by. Maybe you're a person, your wife drug you to church or maybe you drug your wife to church. If we're honest, it always is the other way around. Maybe you're a person who's just here and you found yourself here, whatever that looks like. Can I just let you know, um, I know that I'm pressing hard towards Christians, but I hope you get a glimpse of the joy of being in Christ. That if you were to peer into the window of what God is talking about when he talks about being in Christ, that you would see a table laid out and a seat with your name on it. That God's heart and desire would be that you find yourself in the kingdom of God, that you would choose to be in him. Because love is a choice. And he's not going to just make that choice for you. He's not going to choose that for you. But as you choose to be in him, Paul is saying, do you recognize what is in Christ? The beauty of being in Christ. And when you don't know that, when you don't comprehend the depth of that, then the way in which you live starts to become something that is more detrimental to your life. Sometimes I wonder when I looked at this particular book and I'm sitting in Ephesians, I'm like, what is the benefit of this? Like, what does this mean for us? Like, okay, Maurice, we keep seeing this passage of being in Christ and being in him and being in Christ, but what does this mean for me? Like, what is this, like, how does this impact my life? One of the things that we see in Ephesians is that being in Christ gives us assurance. You can have assurance knowing you are in Christ. Assurance of what? Assurance to know that although you may find yourself in certain situations, that the sin of pow- the sin and power of the sin, excuse me, the power of sin and death are no longer within Christ. That we're not bound to ourselves and that we're not bound to shame and guilt. We're not bound to these things and and that God has called us to a place of freedom. The Christian life starts from a place of victory, not defeat. What Jesus did on the cross for every single one of us starts from a place of victory, starts from a place of peace and shalom and unity, not division. It doesn't start with chaos. And when we choose to follow after Jesus... This changes everything. And so I know that you may be in a place right now where you're just kind of sitting and you're like, all right, so I'm trying to track with you. I'm kind of trying to see where you're going with this. And you're kind of really emphasizing this in Christ thing. I just want to lay the groundwork for the next couple of weeks. That no matter what the topic is that we, that we speak about moving forward, that if we don't grasp this, It's Paul's prayer that I hope, I pray that God would reveal to you who you are in him. Like in some ways, if you really just pull back the layers and see the writings for what it really is, it's like Paul is trying to really convince us and persuade us over and over and over again. That who we are in Christ is the thing that is eternal. That would you be a person that not only sees yourself as in Louisville, but would you see yourself as a person in Louisville and in Christ? That's what the opening line is, to those who are in in Ephesus and in Christ, in Longmont and in Christ, in Erie and in Christ, in Colorado and in Christ, in Texas and in Christ. We don't just serve a Western American God, so let me broaden that up a little bit. In Jamaica and in Christ, 
in Mexico and in Christ. It's AAPI month, so let me push in that direction and let you know that we serve a global God in Japan and in Christ, in Asia and in Christ. That wherever we find ourselves, that we would recognize not only do I have a geographical location, but I have a spiritual location. And it is the spiritual location, it is that eternal place, it is that place of forgiveness and love that actually moves me in a direction where I live differently. This isn't a gospel that is just an out there sort of thing, just a vertical sort of gospel of, okay, cool, me and God are cool. No, no, no. How does that now impact me in the way that I live? That beyond Sunday, when I see myself in Christ, how does that impact the way that I move, in the way that I have discussion? Our lives should look differently. I have to say that there should be something strange about our lives. There should be something different about who we are, who we are in our communities, who we are as a neighbor. Our marriages should look, uh, look very differently than the way that others do. Our relationships should look differently than the way that those others do. Our relationship with our, our parents and our kids should look differently. Our parenting should look different. Our lives should look differently and the way that I talk should look differently. The things that I do, the way that I live my life should look differently. The type of friend that I am, the type of son that I am, the type of the, the coworker that I am, the type of boss that I am, it should look differently because God has ushered in a kingdom that is countercultural to the world in which we live. The question is, on Monday through Saturday, do you see yourself as not only in Louisville, but in Christ? When we comprehend this and we respond to this, it brings us to a place of worship. Like to honestly see yourself in Christ can do nothing but bow your knees in worship. Like when you fully get that, like my prayer is that as much as I'm pushing this right now, like that you would have an apocalypse. like right now you're like, Maurice, I really don't get it. But by like Wednesday, I want you to like, God's kind of doing something with me. A month from now, I would hope that there's a revealing, there's an illuminating in your heart that you would begin to see, man, who I am in Christ and in Christ alone is what matters. And when you begin to see yourself in him and what he has done for you, that it can bring you to this place of nothing but an overflow of worship, that the only way that I can respond, that God, you would choose me in you and yet I know me. Like, if you're really honest, like if there's somebody in the room, like when you know you, like you know you. you. You know the thoughts that you don't tell nobody else. Like you even give your therapist like 95%. Like you know you, you go home with you, you take you everywhere and you have your moments where you're, if you're really honest, you can think to yourself, now why am I thinking about this? Why do I have this proclivity in this? Why is it that I have this hatred around this? What ego that I, where is this coming from? How can I be in Christ and yet have these things that I'm dealing with? And yet God is saying, yep, and you're right here in me. And you can come to a place of recognizing, I know me and God, you keep choosing me. New mercies every day. Like there can be nothing but a response of how, why would you choose a wretch like me? I am undeserving of this type of love and yet you keep lavishing your grace on me. 
You keep telling me that I am enough. You keep telling me that I am worthy, and yet I'm in Christ. And in some ways, we have a struggle accepting God's grace, don't we? Like, we have a struggle fully embracing God's love. We have a struggle fully receiving all of who God is because we look at our circumstances. And when we look at our circumstances and we look at the things that we go through and we look at the things that we keep finding ourselves in, we keep like, how can I do this? I know that I do. I know the thoughts that cross my mind. I, I struggle all the time. Aisha will tell you. Like, how can I get up to, tell, to talk about God and who he is and tell other people about him? Dude, if they knew the things that I have to face, if they knew the things that I go back home to, if they knew the things, that, that the thoughts that cross my mind, if they knew that the, the, the struggles that I have with this and with that, how can I, God, how can you choose me? And it's the blessed assurance that when we are in Christ, that there's nothing but I can just bring myself to him and continue to worship and honor him for who he is. Because when we are in him, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. There is no in and out. There is no back and forth. I keep using the words comprehend and respond. Because it was not Paul's goal for us to just know about the gospel within Ephesians. But that in our response, there's actually a worship. And we thought as a team, how can we set this up? How can we bring a moment of responding, a moment of sitting in God's grace, wrestling with receiving his love? And Whitney, our worship leader, had a profound idea. What if each week within the book of Ephesians, we started to look at a particular hymn and we sing that hymn? Now, if you come from a particular church background and you know hymns and you know the, the hymnal books and I was expressing sort of my background with the team and I was like, I got to be honest with you, I've never sung from a hymnal book. And I remember the first time that I did try to read from a hymnal book and try to sing from one, I like tried to go like line upon line, like straight down. And I don't even like it's, you guys know who are in church, like it's, it's done weirdly. I don't know. Like it's just, it's like line, line. I don't know. I just tried to read it like a book and it was just like, okay, I'm lost. And they're singing something else that I'm not. But when it comes to hymns, and I've done some reflecting, I'm like, oh, I know those. For each week, we've chosen some that are modern and some that are old school. And for those of you who have found yourself in a relationship with God and, and particular hymns that you have gravitated to, you know that there's something so profound about centering God at the center there's something profound about a hymn that just lavishes our response on who he is. And it is because of who he is and it is because of what he has done on the cross that the words in him and the words it is finished are inextricably linked together. In him and it is finished are linked together and we can see that it is nowhere but in Christ alone, that we find meaning, that we find life, that we find freedom, that we find victory, that we find a place of being worthy, that in Christ, he has died for every single one of us to find ourselves in him. And this particular hymn that we are going to sing in this moment is called In Christ Alone. And these words, I want to be something that is sung over you. However you respond, you respond 
but let it be something that centers God. Right at the focus of who we are so that we recognize wherever we find ourselves this morning, wherever we may be spiritually, whether that may be a skeptic or maybe that be a person who's questioning, maybe that be a person who, who doesn't really know, maybe that's a person who's, I've been in this thing for 20 years, wherever you find yourself, would you allow this hymn to be the thing that puts God right at the center and the cross as the place in which we can see when Jesus says, it is finished. It is directly linked to the words in Christ and in Christ alone.